Welcome to Bible Stories with Dad, where I read a Bible story. So today we're looking at the Old Testament book of Jonah, about the Old Testament prophet whose name was Jonah. If that surprised you, hang on, this story's about to get exciting. Anyway, so Jonah's an Old Testament prophet, and the word of the Lord comes to him and says, Hey, Jonah, get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, and announce God's judgment. And so Jonah doesn't really like Nineveh, doesn't like the people there. He doesn't like anything to do with Nineveh. Those people are bad. They've been mean to Jonah and his people. And he's not real thrilled about the idea of going there. Presumably, he would be happy about them facing God's judgment. He's just not happy about going there and, you know, giving them any kind of warning. Just go ahead and smack them without telling them God kind of thing. Anyway, um, he gets up. And he heads down to the nearby port city of Joppa and jumps on a ship. He's headed to Tarshish, which is the opposite direction. Jonah's going to run away. He's going to try and escape God. That's a bold move. We're going to see how that plays out for him. Anyway, he apparently figures this is going to take some work, and he's probably going to need his sleep. So, boat's underway. He goes down into the boat and takes a nap. He falls asleep, apparently into kind of a deep sleep. Lulled to sleep by the waves or something. I don't know. Anyway, Jonah's asleep and a wind comes. God sends this big wind and it starts blowing across the sea and it whips up this big storm. And these sailors, who are professional sailors, they've dealt with rain before, they've dealt with storms before. None of this is new. It's significant to them. It's bad. When it's bad enough that they start getting scared, it's a bad storm and they are terrified. They're scared and they start crying out to their gods to save them. Of course, their gods aren't real, so it doesn't help anything, but they're trying. They also start throwing the cargo overboard to try and lighten the boat because they're afraid this storm is going to break the boat and they're all going to drown and die. And they don't really want to do that. They would like to survive. Understandable, in my opinion. Anyway, at some point, somebody looks around and realizes that Jonah isn't there helping. He's still asleep. So the captain goes down and wakes him up. I imagine that going something like, Jonah! Wake up! And the captain says, How can you sleep at a time like this? And, you know, the, the captain brings him up on deck and he tells him, you know, pray to your God. Baby, your God will pay attention and, and he'll spare our lives. So, Joan and the captain get back up on deck with everybody else and they cast lots, which is an old-timey, Old Testament way of trying to figure out God's answer to a question. It's kind of like drawing straws or, or rolling dice or something like that. And you pray about it ahead of time. And, and sometimes God will work through that to answer a question. And in this case, the question is, whose fault is this storm? Because the sailors can tell this isn't a normal storm that just kind of happened by chance. This is a big uh-oh storm that happened for a reason. And they want to know why, because they don't want to die. So they cast lots, and the lot falls on Jonah. It's all Jonah's fault. That Jonah dude, what's he doing? So they ask him kind of reasonable questions, along with that, how can you sleep at a time like this, or how can you sleep in the midst of this? They ask him, hey, why has this disaster struck us? What's your occupation? What's your job? What do you do? Where are you from? And Jonah tells him, he says, I'm, I'm a Hebrew. I fear I serve the, the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea, that they're afraid he's going to kill them, and the dry land, where they wish they could be right now. And this doesn't reassure the, the sailors in the slightest. So they become even more frightened and they ask him, how could you do this? Because he already told them that he was running away from God 
And so now things are starting to click together. Now they're understanding where this storm came from. So they ask him, what do we have to do to calm the sea down? What do we have to do to take care of this storm? How do we, how do we fix it? And Jonah says, well, pick me up and throw me into the sea. And the sea's going to be calm for you. Because I know it's my fault. And the sea's getting worse because the storm's getting worse. But they're not real thrilled with the idea of throwing Jonah overboard. For no other reason than throwing someone overboard into a storm like that is kind of a death sentence. You throw someone overboard like that, they're going to die. Jonah doesn't have a life jacket. He doesn't have water wings or floaties or a pool noodle to hang on to. He's, he's going down. He's going to drown. He's dead. As far as they can figure, nobody is going to survive being thrown overboard in this storm. So instead... Again, they're going to try and fix things the best way they know how. And as sailors, the best way they know how is to grab the oars and start rowing. So they grab the oars and they start rowing. And they're rowing as hard as they can. And they're not getting anywhere at all. It doesn't help. And the sea's getting worse. So they don't have a whole lot of choice. They're going to have to do what they don't want to do. They're going to have to throw Jonah overboard. So they call on the Lord. They, they pray to God. Jonah's God. The real God. And they ask him... Not to kill them for what Jonah has done, the sin that Jonah has committed, and not to hold it against them that Jonah's gonna die. Having done all this, they pick Jonah up and they throw him overboard, and he goes splash into the sea, and then whew, the sea gets calm miraculously, like not explainable by natural ways. This is a miraculous sudden calming of the sea. And the sailors are just, like, blown away by this. So they offer a sacrifice to the Lord, and they make vows to serve him. But this isn't their story. Meanwhile, Jonah, the subject of our story, Jonah gets swallowed by a big old fish that God had provided for just this occasion. And so Jonah gets stuck in the belly of a big old fish for three days and three nights. So we're on to chapter two. Jonah spends three days and three nights in the belly of a big fish, with not a whole lot to do, uh, surrounded by partially digested fish food, I assume. It's probably dark. I doubt there's a whole lot of entertainment there. But what he does have available to him, what he can do, is he can pray. And that's exactly what he does. Uh, during those three days, three nights, he prays. And we have chapter two is pretty much a whole chapter of his prayer to God about him messing up and being sorry for it and God saving his life. Because remember, he should have died. He should have drowned. God saved him with a big fish. Anyway, so there at the end of chapter two, God commands the fish to spit up Jonah on the beach. So imagine you're there. You're on vacation, you know, you took a day off, whatever. You're down at the beach with your family, maybe you brought a picnic lunch, you're playing in the sand, playing in the water, whatever. And uh, somebody sees something coming in from out in the sea, something big. It's really big. You get closer, it looks like a really big fish. And it's swimming in, swimming up towards the beach, concerningly headed straight towards you. And so everybody yells and gets out of the water, and this thing swims right up to the edge of the beach, and then just blah, Spits up and swims away. It's gone. I mean, I've heard some fish stories, but this is a big fish, and it's a weird story. No one's gonna believe you, right? But there's that pile there. You know, it, it happened. And then, uh, as you look over there, it starts moving over there, and this dude stands up out of the middle of the pile. Normal-looking dude. Smells kind of funky, but starts walking towards town. It's Jonah. Maybe you know him, maybe you don't, but he, he starts walking back towards town, like 
nothing unusual about it. How would you react to that? I think that'd be the end of my picnic lunch. So, Jonah chapter 3, God gives Jonah a second chance. The Lord speaks to Jonah again and says, Hey, get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, tell them the warning that I'm giving you. And this time, Jonah obeys the Lord's commands and goes to Nineveh. To Jonah's credit, it only took him being swallowed by a big fish for three days and three nights one time. He learned. Smart man. He's not going to run away from God this time. So he goes to the great city of Nineveh, and Nineveh's big. Jonah enters the city that same day. He doesn't wait till he's two or three days into it. Same day he gets into the city, being the people person he is, Jonah starts yelling God's message, which is, uh, Hey, in 40 days, God's going to destroy the city of Nineveh. It, that's a real way to get people to like you. Just tell them in 40 days, God's going to destroy their city because of how wicked they are. Anyway, this was what God told him to do, so... He's doing it, which is good, and uh, the people of Nineveh actually believed him. And so they they want to do something about it. So everybody declares a fast, and that doesn't mean they're going to run fast. That means they're going to quit eating. These people aren't even going to have a snack. They're not even going to have a drink. Instead, they're just going to pray to God to ask for forgiveness, to ask him not to destroy them. And not only are they going to not eat, they're going to put on sackcloth. Now, sackcloth is something kind of like burlap. It's this scratchy, itchy, unpleasant, uncomfortable fabric. They're going to put on clothes made out of this stuff. Not because it's fun, but to show that they're they're sorrowful, that they're sad, that they're, they're wishing that they had not done it, and that they're wishing that God was not about to destroy them. The king hears about it, the king of Nineveh. Nineveh is a city so big it's got its own king. So he hears what Jonah was saying, and... He steps down off of his throne, he, he takes off his robes, crown if he had one, and, and he puts on the itchy, scratchy fabric, and he sits down in a pile of ashes, which isn't something we really do today, but back then that was, again, a way you could show sorrow and mourning and sadness and remorse and all of that. Anyway, so he does that, and then he and his nobles, his, his royal advisor, whatever, send out a decree, which is a fancy way of saying it's a rule that everybody has to follow. And he sends out this rule that everybody has to follow and says, uh, nobody, not even the animals, are allowed to eat or drink anything. And not only that, people and animals have to wear sackcloth, have to be covered with sackcloth. And everybody has to call on God and turn from his evil ways. So we got to stop being bad. we got to stop being mean. we got to cry out to God. And everybody, including all the animals, has to be covered in this sackcloth. Now, some translations say covered in. Some translations say have to wear it. So imagine trying to put on burlap pants on your cow or your horse or your sheep or your chicken. Imagine you look out at a field of cows, and they're all wearing clothes. Itchy, scratchy clothes, but clothes. Anyway, it's a big step, but they needed to take a big step. And uh, God changes his mind and doesn't carry out the destruction that he had threatened, because they had changed, which you would think would make Jonah happy. After all, these people listened to him. And they're going to stop being bad, and they're going to stop being mean, and they're going to start being good people again. You can have good neighbors. But you'd be wrong. Jonah's not happy. In fact, Jonah's kind of cranky. This got him pretty upset. So he uh, he complains to the Lord. He prays and says, God, wasn't this what I said while I was still back home? This is why I tried to go to Tarshish. 
because I knew this would happen. I knew you would do this. I know that you're merciful and compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. I know how eager you are to turn back from destroying people. And just kill me, Lord. Kill me now. If you're not going to kill them, kill me. Because I don't want to stick around if you're not going to kill them. It's me or them, Lord. And the Lord asked him, is it right for you to be angry? And Jonah doesn't answer. And Jonah goes over to the east side of the city. And he makes himself a little shelter sit under. A sort of vantage point of some sort. He can look out over and see the whole city. He can sit there and see what's going to happen. And uh, while he's sitting there, the Lord arranges for a plant to grow. And it just grows real fast. Must be some kind of a weed. Seems like the stuff that grows real fast. It's always the weeds. It's the stuff I don't want to grow. And the stuff I want to grow takes forever. But anyway, so this thing grows up real fast behind him. And it's all leafy. And the the leaves spread out. And they, they give shade to his cranky head. And makes Jonah a whole lot more comfy. He's still cranky. But the shade on his cranky head makes him comfy. So he's happier about that. The next morning, God doesn't just have the plant planned for Jonah. He's got a lesson here. He provides a worm, and the worm eats a hole through the plant. The plant dies, withers, and leaves all shrivel up. And so the sun's beating down on Jonah's cranky head, and God sends an east wind. It's all hot and scorching, and Jonah's feeling terrible, to the point that, that Jonah's, like, begging God to kill him. It's just, it, it, it's so terrible, you know? And it's so hot and cranky and feels terrible and doesn't want to do anything. I don't know if you ever felt like that. He's not happy. So God says to him, do you have any good reason to be angry about this plant dying? And Jonah goes, yeah, I have good reason to be angry, even angry to the point of death. Remember, Jonah's cranky. doesn't make any sense looking at this. Like, why is he so cranky about this? But he is, and God says to him, you know, you didn't do anything to plant this plant or water it or tend it or care of it it just grew and yet you're this upset about it dying and it's just a plant and Nineveh's got like 120,000 people plus all the animals and stuff down there and shouldn't I be concerned about that city and the book just kind of ends there so we've got some unanswered questions we do what happened did the people of Nineveh stay good did they follow God? Did Jonah repent for his terrible attitude? Did he get a Snickers so he wasn't so grumpy? Did Jonah learn a lesson and maybe teach other people? What happened to the sailors that threw him overboard? Did they follow through on their vow and, and serve God? What happened? We don't know. But that's the end of the story. Thanks for joining me. I hope you enjoyed it. Have a blessed week. And I'll see you next time.